Hello and welcome to the Displaced African. The Displaced African is the African immigrant's personal development blog, which can be found at www.thedisplacedafrican.com. How is everybody doing out there? This is Mwangi here and today the interview is with Benin Mwangi Brown. Now a lot of you probably know Benin Mwangi as the founder of African Path, the co-founder of African Path and also the co-founder of Pamoja Media. Um, Benin Mwangi Brown has truly built one of the great African blogs in terms of pure traffic, pure numbers, quality of content. And I actually didn't know this, but African Path is actually a blog, started out as a blog, and now still pretty much runs with that blogging model. So it was it was great for me to learn from someone who's come before me, done it better, and is doing it very well, and is expanding now into the um, the advertising field. So for those of you interested in the African um, web or African business, this is going to be a great interview for you. Um, let me just say thank you to Njeri for recording that introduction there. If you want to send me music or you want to send me you know, an introduction to the podcast, I'm always looking to promote folks, so send something through. Have a great, 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 great week. And this is Mwangi here, and without any further ado, Benin Mwangi. Hello, everybody. This is Mwangi from the DisplacedAfrican.com podcast, and I'm here with Benin Mwangi Brown. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good, Mwangi. That's great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me on the show, too. Ah, no problem. No problem. It's always good to learn, like, from the, the people who've come before me, because, you know, I just start, I got started in, like, January, and I think you got started long before that, and you're pretty much one of the biggest African online presences, so it's always nice to learn from, you know, from those who've come before you and done it better and done it bigger, so it's actually my pleasure. Oh, man. <laughs> you trying to flatter me, man. <laughs> Yeah. It's only flattery if it's not true. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, Thanks for the good, for the kind words, man. Thank no, you. <laughs> no problem. So, um, so let people know who you are and what you do. Okay. Well, my name is uh, Benin Brown, and um, on the internet, most people probably know me as Benin Wangi. I'm a uh, a business person, an entrepreneur, and um, I'm involved in a couple of uh, businesses. Um, I'm an insurance uh, uh, broker, um, but when I'm not doing that, most of the time what I'm doing is I'm working as a uh, publisher and an editor at AfricanPath.com, and um, recently I've gotten involved with another venture, uh, which also deals with uh, publishers and advertisers online in Africa, and it's called Pamoja Media. And I'm basically a, you know, a, a business development um, person, a co-founder of the company. Um, my main job is to go out and make sure that we have business coming in. Uh, what, so that's pretty on the much publisher side or the advertiser side? On the advertiser side. I, I mean, as a small company, you kind of, one person plays a lot of roles, you know. So, I, I mean, I do both. But um, probably what takes most of my time during the day is uh, getting advertisers. Okay. So, the name's Benin Mwangi, and the, you have the name's Benin Mwangi, and then your surname is Brown. So, how exactly does, does that work? Because your <laughs> your first name and your and your surname don't exactly seem like they mix. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I've never heard a play quite like that, but uh, I, I, you, I mean, I guess you make a really good play. Um, I guess it all started, you know, um, about 33 years ago before I was born. You know, I, I had parents that were very, um, that were very interested and involved in, in the, uh, in the uh, re-education of, uh, you know, black people uh, here in America. Um, you know, there was a time when African Americans didn't feel too uh, comfortable with their identity, and um, you know that sort of uh, preceded, I guess, the Civil Rights Movement. Both of my parents were involved in that. Um, my father was, uh, you know, someone who, as a child, he always wanted to go to Africa. You know, that's that's what I was told by, um, you know, his siblings and every, you know, his relatives who knew who uh, were around him at that time. And the funny thing that he used to say is, "I'm going to go to Africa and become a king." <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Man, he actually did do that. Uh, he actually did do that. Really? And um, yeah, he actually did do that. Wow. Um, you know, like all so all of his children ended up getting. Um, well, there's four of us. Two of us ended up getting those types of names. Like I have Benin. My sister's name is uh, Oni. Um, so two of us ended up getting those names that come from uh, like West Africa. And um, you know, I think he thought that our uh, family roots sort of went back to that part of Africa, and, and um, like, you know, on his mom's side, uh, I think our family goes back to Sierra Leone, and on his dad's side, believe it or not, I did some research and found out that um, our ancestors on that side actually go back to East Africa, like the Kenya, Tanzania area. Dang. Um, so it's just interesting, you know, how that worked out, and I ended up um, basically getting married to a uh, to a woman from uh, Kenya, and. Uh, you know, the traditional process that took place um, and how I got the name Wangi. You know, my parents had to go there uh, to Kenya and meet her family. And, you know, I guess, you know, her family had to basically, I don't know how, you know, the technical term, but I think, you know, um, basically they had to give her away in, in the, uh, the marriage. And in that process, my father uh, became Wangi, and I did too. <laughs> that, that, that's, yeah. that's awesome. I love stories like yeah. that. That's fair. All right, cool. So um, I guess this would be a good time to talk about something that I've always been fascinated with since, you know, I'm here in Australia, so I don't get to see this um, day to day. But I've, I've asked this question quite a few times whenever I get happen to talk to someone who lives in the States. And it's about um, okay. the relationship between Africans and African-Americans. Because uh, I first learned about this when I used to go to Mashada.com. And on Mashada.com, okay. the impressions I used to get was that it was a very negative relationship. I was, I heard uh, like about the history of, like, do you know the history of, of the word Akata? Um, yes, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with it, but it, that's like a, a, a word for, from West Africa, right, from Nigeria? Yeah, or, apparently it's a Yoruba word, I think. Right, right. And yeah, and you know, and you know that the relationship was very negative. Then when I started conducting um these interviews uh-huh. for the podcast, I started learning. Nah, uh-huh. it's, not, it's not negative at all. It's a very positive relationship. I mean, it's of course there are always people who don't get along, but for the most part, it's actually a very positive right. relationship. So I just wanted to hear your right. take on it. Well, well, here's my take on it. Um, what people have to realize is that up until about ten or fifteen years ago. Here in America, um, immigrants from Africa were primarily comprised, I, I mean, I don't have the statistics probably, but just from talking with um, a lot of the people that, um, that I know that are older than me and that have, you know, sort of been doing things in 
the uh, various diaspora communities here in America. Um, prior to 10 or 15 years ago, most of the immigrants here that were from Africa were from West Africa. And um, a lot of them were not really staying here that long. They were going and coming, you know. They were, you know, coming here and, you know, sort of, you know, getting their, building their wealth and then going back home and coming back and going. But recently, about 10, 15 years ago, I think um, things changed and the uh, African immigrant community began to grow a lot. And um, also that's when the Kenyans started coming here a lot. And initially they were doing the same thing, coming and going, coming and going. But, um, you know, over time, I think uh, they decided, uh, you know, it makes sense to make this a new home. And so, you know, of course, during that early period, you know, a lot of misunderstood understandings, I'm sure, probably happened. And mainly, I think what that's about is, um, you know, just each other's perceptions of what to expect from the other uh, culture. And what, what, what a lot of, um, you know, people in America don't understand is that, uh, you know, just how dynamic and powerful culture is. I mean, you know, here in America, you hear things like black culture, white culture, um, things like that. But when you go to, you know, a place like Kenya and, you know, spend some time there or go, you know, to any part of Africa uh, where you have different ethnic groups, you see the culture is different than, you know, black culture and white culture. It's about, like, language, religion, uh, marriage, you know, death, rights, and, you know, um, all of those things, you know. So I think that there was a lot of misunderstanding because a lot of Americans just don't understand, you know, culture that well. And it's because... Um, in America, you know, we pretty much um, have a culture of that consists of no, having no culture at all. You know what I mean? And basically, those two different types of uh, ways of looking at the world, where you know, one one group of people looks at things through a more rigid um, set of um, you know uh, standards or or uh, customs or what have you, and one culture doesn't you know look at things through that same lens. So it, it creates a um, a type of tension, I would say. But what I would say, though, is over the last 10 years, I think things have improved a lot. You know, as uh, the African immigrant, immigrant communities have grown here in America, I think that our uh, relations have grown a lot, too. Because, I mean, I see a lot of people um, doing things together in terms of African-Americans and, you know, uh, people in different parts of Africa. I see a lot of that happening. Wow. Cool. So, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, I would say that the relationship... I mean, it's just like any relationship, you know, there's good times and bad times. And, you know, as long as we're, you know, living in co close proximity to each other, we just have to, you know, kind of learn learn how to uh, deal with each other and how to understand each other. And it, it's just an ongoing process, you know. Yep. Yeah. Great answer. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, So let's go back to... The first business you ever did, which um, you know, I was re I was reading up on you. You were nice enough to send me some information on yourself. And the first business venture that apparently you went into was real estate, and that was straight out of college. Is that correct? Right, right. I was I was in college, and um, you know, basically, um, the, you know, to kind of set the background for the listeners, I was all set to become an engineer or a scientist, you know, like my father, <laughs> and. Um, Something happened. I mean, it was weird, man. I, I one day I, I I went to the library and I picked up a magazine, and um, you know I started looking through it and reading it, and I was like just amazed at like some of the things that I saw in there, some of the new ideas, and um, 
once I picked it up, man, I couldn't put it down. I kept getting it, kept going back. It was called Entrepreneur Magazine. And um, after I read that one, I started getting into the other, um, to like their competitor, Inc. Uh, magazine. And um, from there, I started reading, like, economics um, course, you know, books and things like that. Um, I started reading, like, Adam Smith, Wealth of Nations. And um, basically, man, it just sort of re reshaped my thoughts on life and on, um, you know, what maybe I wanted to do in life. You know, I wasn't, it didn't really tell me, okay, I'm definitely for sure going to go into business, but it made me feel like, hmm, you know, this is something that I really need to um, to uh, try to understand better and try to see if there's a way that I can integrate it into my life. So um, once that happened, I basically changed um, courses. You know, I changed my um, major at school. I As soon as I did that, I lost my scholarship (laughs) because I had an engineering scholarship. And once I changed, man, that money was gone. (laughs) So so I lost my scholarship. My family was really upset at me. They were thinking that, uh, you know, this kid is going through a a rebellious period or some kind of, you know, strange phase, you know. Um, But, I mean, as time went on, I mean, it it continued. I didn't really ever decide to – I didn't go back. Once I left the engineering science – you know, uh, well, I never really wanted to, to go back that much, you know, because I just found business, you know, so exciting. And um, after I changed my major, I met a, a buddy, and um, we really had a, a really cool relationship, and we were able to really kind of learn more about business together and teach each other about it. We, you know, started reading books by the, uh, you know, the uh, renowned business uh, personalities and CEOs. And we said, you know, we, why don't we just start a business? And so we looked at all the different types of things that we thought made sense, um, at, you know, for the economy at that time, which was the early 90s. And um, what we ended up coming to was, you know, real estate is, is something that, you know, is really hot right now. You know, everybody's talking about no money down and this, that, and the other. Plus, I think that was the time that the mortgage industry in America changed. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that's when it became easier for people to start purchasing houses uh, during the Clinton. That was during the Clinton administration, the first one. And so we tried it, man. Um, we didn't really get too far though, because I ended up having an opportunity that, that fell into my lap, which was basically to do some study abroad in, in Ghana. And so w- where we stopped, you know, we just had to um, say that, you know, we would try to do it when I got back, if it made sense. And so that's when I went to Ghana and, um, you know, sort of the next phase of my life started. <laughs> and and what was it that drew you so strongly when you first read Entrepreneur Magazine? Was it the business? Was it the money itself? Was it? Yeah. Um, what it was is just the, the empowerment um, that I saw in people who were doing their own businesses. I mean, it just felt like there was a freedom. I know I realized and, and observed a freedom in the people that were telling those stories that I didn't see in the people around me who were doing nine to five type jobs, you know? Um, I mean, you know, I come from a, a family where people are very educated in my family and um, they have pretty good jobs, uh, you know, nine to five type jobs. Uh, so I was able to look at them and say, okay, they're doing very good and they're good at what they do. And that's just, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to do a nine to five, you know? Um, so I want to see if I can figure out how these other guys did it so that I can do it too. Okay. So, and then in the next phase of your life was you finally got to take a trip to Ghana. Yeah. 
So talk yeah, talk I about know. that. What 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 did that do to you psychologically? What insights did you pick up? How was the experience for you? Well, man, that's a tough question because it, it's going to be a long answer. <laughs> but um, actually, what happened is my father was a, um, a physics professor, uh-huh. and he was able to he was able to um, get involved with uh, the Fulbright. Uh, program. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, the U.S. Fulbright program. No. What is that? It's like a um, a program that involves education during um, you know uh, people who are really really uh, known in their professions mm-hmm. and people who you know kind of trailblazed and and their uh, field of study uh, from America basically go to you know different parts of the world and teach um, at the universities there. And I think. I think there's also a uh, a component whereby people from other countries come here and do the same thing. And so my father was able to get involved in that. And basically he became a Fulbright scholar. And when he um, got that opportunity and realized, okay, you know, um, what's my son going to do? He was like, you know, maybe it'll be good if, if he goes with me. So he asked me if I wanted to go. Initially I, I did not want to go because I wanted to continue and see what was going to happen with my business. But after, you know, really talking about it and he, you know, he and I really leveled with each other, uh, we both decided that it, you know, it, it was in my best interest to, to just go ahead and go and just experience it and see what was going to happen. I mean, he told me, you know, uh, Benin, this is going to change your life. I, I guarantee you, you know. And I mean, those words will turn out to be prophetic because, I mean, it did change my life. So that's how I ended up going there. And once I got there, I mean, to be honest with you, I can't even really describe the feeling. I think, I think what I, the first thing I did when I got off the airplane man, is I think I might have kissed the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, wow, I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> and the first thing that I noticed was just as soon as we got off the airplane, uh-huh. like the heat was just, the heat was like, it felt like an oven. Like we stepped into an, off the airplane and inside of an oven. Ghana, West Africa is very hot, you know. Kenya's not like that, but, but um, West Africa gets very, very, very hot. I mean, brutal heat. And so, you know, my, here, here we were, my father and I, you know, I'm in my early 20s, um, and he's, you know, in his middle, middle ages, uh, middle years, like in the, his early 50s, I believe. And uh, we're in this new environment, new situation, and um, for the first couple of weeks, or maybe the first couple of months, it was very weird because, I mean, there were things that we saw that we just couldn't get our, you know, we just couldn't grasp, you know, like um, just the way the business, the way the business was done was very different than what we were used to. Um, you know, Ghana has a very slow, laid-back, casual pace as compared to um, East Africa, I would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it was just really tough for us getting you know, getting to grasp that for the first couple of months. But after the first couple of months, we kind of lost that that urgency that, a, you know, a lot of Americans have. You know, like, well, you can tell an American over there because they're walking fast, you know what I mean? <laughs> they're, um, they're always in a hurry. You know, they look like they always think they're going to be late. <laughs> but um, over there, I mean, <laughs> that, that mentality doesn't, I don't think that really seems to exist over there, you know. The idea that, um, you know, you're going to be late, so you should, you should really start hustling and running so fast. So, I mean, that was the first thing that we had to get used to, I mean, just the change in pace. And that basic, that, that attitude sort of carries over into, you know, business and, 
you know, every aspect of life, because I, I remember, like, when we got there, it took us about two or three weeks to get situated in our, um, the, like, the housing that they had put together for us. When we got there, the housing wasn't even ready for us. <laughs> <laughs> they were building us. So, like, oh. I think the second or third, so, the second or third day that we were in this bungalow, somebody came in, I guess they were, like, a big, giant um, professor or, or something. He, I guess the person was a really important person because, I mean, they kicked us out like the second or third day. They were like, hey, you guys have to move. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That's Africa. That's Africa there. <laughs> so, I mean, that whole, that whole different pace of life was just something that was really, really tough. But after, the, after about three months, I think we adjusted. And the adjustment must have been apparent because people started reacting to us differently on the street and casual situations. And, um, I mean, it, it became very fun. You know, we just had a lot of fun. I mean, the cool thing about, about it also was that my father and I also got a chance to bond and, you know, have a, a father and son experience that uh, probably a lot of guys don't get a chance to have, you know. Yep. So it, it was really cool in that, in that respect. And then, like, the way this all ties into business, I mean, I saw, like, some people doing some really, really big business over there. I mean, I saw, like, we met uh, some friends who were basically, like, I think they owned the import. At that time, they owned the import license for importing rice into Ghana. And if I'm not mistaken, at that time, Ghana has some, you know, they, they were transitioning over from, a, you know, a... a a tightly controlled economy, you know, being controlled by the, 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 uh, the administrations to a more market-driven economy. So that import license for them meant that they were doing some huge business. I mean, you know, multi-million uh, dollar business uh, transactions. And then from there, they went into, like, satellites and communications and um, things like that. And then, so that's, like, one of the spectrum that I got a chance to see, you know, people doing big business that uh, rivals stuff that you see here. And then on the other end, I think the side that probably fascinated me more was just the average, you know, everyday type entrepreneurs who, you you know, I guess you would probably refer to them as micro enterprises. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, the the market woman with the stall, you know, selling oranges or dried fish or something like that. And, uh, you know, the, the, the guys that you would see, like, um, shov- carrying these big giant uh, shovels with... Uh, construction uh, products on them, sand, gravel, rocks. I mean, so that part of Ghana actually excited me more than the big business, you know, just because I saw that that was what the bulk of people were eating with, you know. And so when I saw that, I said, hmm, I wonder if there's a way that I can take, you know, whatever little experiences I have coming from America and basically, you know, see if I can use that to help, uh, you know, small industries to you know, get export export markets to America. And um, it was just something that stayed in the back of my mind for, you know, forever. I mean, since then. Okay. And, and so I'm assuming that's what eventually led to African Path. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah, I guess you could say that. So that, walk, walk that, me through that journey that, from, right. from that idea to African Path. Well... Okay, what happened from that idea to African Path is I, you know, of course, I, I got back a year later from, from Ghana, and I picked up where I left off with um, my, my partner at the time with the real estate uh, venture. And 
it ended up transitioning. The buying houses wasn't as easy as we thought it would be. I mean, they made it seem like it was going to be really, really easy. And we found out that it, you know, I mean, like a, a year into it, after I got back, we still hadn't been able to purchase any, any property. And so we actually got involved in a different side of it, which was like mortgage counseling. Uh, we would like deal with, we would help people who were um, in distressed situations, find ways out of it, and we got paid that way. And um, well, I mean, we we made pretty pretty decent money at it, you know. Uh, we did that for about two or three years. Um, during the time, I I met my you know the woman that would become my wife my, my wife today, and so that sort of was was uh, probably uh, the next thing the next big event that happened in my life, you know, meeting my wife. And um, about a year after I met her, you know, I sold my shares of, of business, my business partner. And then from there on out, I pretty much did the traditional uh, nine to five thing, you know. Yeah. And I did that because she was in school and, you know, I wanted to make sure that things would be stable, you know, for our family and, how, and household and everything. But then once she got out of school, you know, or, or maybe a few years before she got out, I, I said, let me just go ahead and see if I can figure out what it is that I want to do, you know, um, because all those years of doing the nine to five, man, that if you're like an entrepreneurial type personality, that that I think that sort of does something to your mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I started feeling like, man, what in the world is going on? What's wrong with my life? You know, what's going on? What's wrong? Yeah. And so um, I started really reevaluating my situation and um, looking, okay, I said, okay, I definitely, definitely want to go back into business. Just what type do I want to do, you know? Yeah. So I started experimenting with different businesses. I think I went through a string of like three or four, like in a year's time. You know, none of them worked out. All of them failed. <laughs> and um, finally, I was like, ready, just when I was ready to give up on it and just say, well, maybe I'm just destined to, you know, be a, a, a nine-to-fiver, you know? I, I had a conversation with, with my old business partner, actually. And uh, we were talking. We, we, we've uh, remained friends throughout the, uh, that time, and we're still good, good friends now. And um, I was just talking to him about, you know, how frustrated I was that I wasn't able to really figure out what my purpose was and, you know, what type of business to go into. And he was like, well, you know, ever since I know you've always been interested in doing stuff in Africa, right? And I was like, yeah. And uh, he was like, well, why don't you try to do something with that? And I was, I was thinking – Okay, I mean, I can try to, but I don't think there's going to be any money in it. You know, that was my initial thought, you know. Um, so I, I just started kind of exploring it. And um, my initial approach to it was that, okay, even if I don't make money, I'm going to still go ahead and, and investigate this situation further, you know, see if there's anything that I can do that can affect people's lives, you know. And I started um, – talking to people I knew that were business business uh, professionals. And we, you know, I, I actually connected with about two or three of them on the topic of Africa and doing uh, trade promotion there. And, you know, unfortunately the things that we did never really panned out. It sort of, you know, just disintegrated somehow. And that led me to doing research on the Internet instead of just doing research like in the books and in the libraries. And when I was on the Internet, I, I stumbled across a website that was very interesting to me. It was called Timbuktu Chronicles. Um, so I know you're familiar with that, right? Yes, I am. Uh, yeah, I make an open forest blog. And I said, wow, this is awesome. You know, every day it's like new information is posted onto this website. 
And then, you know, you look on the right-hand side of it, you see other websites just like, similar to it that you can go to and find similar information. And so I investigated that, and I found out, okay, this is not just a website. It's something that's called a blog. And um, I started researching blogs at that point because I was like, hmm, maybe this is where I need to be, you know? And so I figured out probably after a couple of months what a blog was and, you know, how to, how to build one and how to put one together. And I started a blog called Africa Ready for Business. And, you know, from there, I think my blogging actually was uh, pretty, you know, minimal, um, you know, thinking back on it. But at the time, it was like really, really, you know, it was really, really just changing my outlook on life. And really, it really made me feel like there is a, a possibility that I can actually, you know, pursue my dreams, you know, fully through this, through this mechanism. And um, after about five or six months, I met, I met some uh, really good people through it. One of the people that I met was actually uh, my business partner today, Joshua Barnabas. And I met him through like one of the comments that he posted onto the blog. And he was telling me, I'm about to start something uh, called African Path. And, um, you know, at the time, I think he was doing a, uh, a different business. He was uh, doing, like, web development and web, web uh, 2.0 projects and things like that. And so I was like, okay, you know, like, cool. That sounds good. But, uh, you know, where is it at? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, you know, a few, about a month later, I think he said to me, you know, the information that showed me that it was actually up. And uh, from there, we just really kept in contact with each other very closely, you know, just talking about our ideas and things like that. And as uh, fortune would have it, five or six months from there, there was a, a large conference on Kenyan investment uh, in the diaspora that took place in Kennesaw, Georgia, uh, which is a suburb of Atlanta. And he was there, and so was uh, Hash. Um, I got a chance to meet both of them in person. And um, I guess, like, all of us have been talking independently, but none of us has really all talked, to, you know, the three of us together. And um, basically that meeting sort of uh, really sort of altered um, the course of, of even my thoughts on how I could, uh, you know, promote business in Africa through, through the blog. Because um, Joshua had some really cool ideas, and I had some, and Ash had some, and we just bounced them off of each other. And from there we just stayed in touch. Um, you know, Joshua and I ended up basically becoming um, partners probably three or four months after that, that meeting. And uh, we've just been, you know, doing things ever since, you know, working to build African Path and the brand. And the cool thing about African Path is that that was Africa's first multi-blog platform, you know? Yeah. So a lot of... A lot of times I have people ask me, you know, how did you guys get so much traffic? Uh, how did you do this? How did you do that? And uh, I think we were able to benefit from, you know, just being at the right place at the right time. You know, um, whenever there's like a, a law of branding um, that you're probably familiar with, there's a fellow named Al, oh, uh, Jack Trout, I think, and Al Reeves also is the other guy. They wrote this book called The 22 Immutable Laws of Branding. Uh -huh. And one of the 22 laws is that the first market, I mean, the, the first person, the first company that gets into the, the market, for whatever market, if that market isn't very strong, you know, just by virtue of them being the first arrival there, they're going to uh, capture a lot of the market. And so we were fortunate enough to, to kind of have that position in terms of, um, like, blog platforms in Africa, 
you know. So that right there gave, gave us a lot of uh, credibility. And with that credibility, we were able to um, approach a lot of writers, a lot of bloggers, um, a lot of different uh, professionals, and basically uh, engage them in conversations about Africa, you know, telling, telling, telling the, uh, the story from their point of view. And, all, all, of course, all of these guys are from different parts of Africa. And so when their stories began to regularly appear on the, the site, the traffic just started to explode. And that was part one of my interview with Benin Mwangi. Um, the next part should be coming um, to you very, very shortly. So far, so good. And what's left is even more phenomenal. So definitely make sure you stay tuned for that. For those of you who have not subscribed to the Displaced African blog or podcast, please do that. Yet again, thank you so much to Benin Mwangi Brown. Thank you to Jerry. And thank you for listening to this. I really do appreciate you listening to this. Any feedback you might have, send me an email, leave me a comment. And have a good one. This has been the Displaced African Podcast. The Displaced African is the African Immigrant's personal development blog. You can find it at www.thedisplacedafrican.com. Mm-hmm.